Hello everyone, my name is Sky Menhart and you are listening to Manic State of Mind, a podcast where I discuss my journey with bipolar disorder, mental health tips, and more. Welcome to today's show. Today we are discussing the things you should know if you or a loved one are struggling with bipolar disorder. Now I know I said I was going to be getting into creatives with bipolar disorder, but I feel like before I can begin that series, we need to focus on the basic facts so that we have a clear understanding of what bipolar disorder is and how it affects us. So today I wanted to get into the topic of how bipolar disorder can be caused. There are a few factors that contribute to the cause of bipolar disorder in someone's life, and one of them is genetics. So genetics really do play a big part into bipolar disorder. It's not the only factor contributing to your illness, but it is a big part. So my suggestion is that you go through your family tree and look at people who had mental illness or who struggled with something and try to figure out where this is coming from and why it's so prevalent in you today. This can be helpful just so you know what to do with your diagnosis. Oftentimes, whenever you go to the psychiatrist for the first time, they'll ask you for a mental health history of your family so they can get a clearer picture of how to treat you because of your you know, genetics and the way you're made, if that makes sense. So I had to do that, and it makes a lot of sense that I have bipolar disorder and anxiety and depression because in my family, that runs really strong. So... It was helpful to know that because I felt like, okay, well, I'm not alone. This is like an issue that a lot of people in my family are going through as well. And it kind of made me feel better. So another factor that contributes to the onset of bipolar disorder is the biological factor. So this is just the way your brain works and how your brain chemicals respond to certain things. And It's really interesting with this biological factor. It can be really tricky because the chemistry of your brain is really important and it can be changed if you're using drugs or alcohol too much or and that can cause you to lose sleep. So sleep is one of the most important biological factors that we need when having bipolar disorder or other mental illness because sleep recharges us, it resets us and people with bipolar disorder are more sensitive And if they don't get enough sleep, it affects them more than someone who doesn't have bipolar disorder. So you can't just run on less sleep and act like everything's normal. It'll really affect your mood. I can totally attest to that fact because if I don't get a full nine hours of sleep, I know that's a lot, but if I don't get nine hours of sleep, I I feel sluggish, I don't feel like myself, I feel depressed, I feel irritable, and it's just not a good time. So sleep is very important to keep the biological to keep the biological piece working the right way and to keep your brain healthy. So another thing that kind of contributes, and this one isn't as big, but psychological events. So these are the way you relate to your world. And this is just how you're perceiving the world around you and how you're reacting to it. So it's all in your psyche. Um, I don't have much to say about that because honestly, I didn't do as much research on this part and there wasn't much to look at. But it's just, it does affect things in a certain way. This one isn't as much as the other ones. So the last one is stress, moving, loss of a job, loss of a relationship, all these big changes in life, even good ones. Because of bipolar disorder, you may be more affected by stressful events, even positive ones. So in my life, 
Oftentimes when I'm having a manic episode, it is because of a stressful event that's either going on or that's either going to be happening in the future. And I'm feeling stressed from it. And so I end up losing sleep and then I become manic. And this has happened a few times. And then other times I've become manic and then my life changes. And then I, like I separated from my ex, my dog died, like all this horrible stuff. And that was a really big stressful situation. I don't think it triggered the manic episode. I think I was already manic before it started happening, but it was really hard to deal with. Stress can be so unavoidable in life most of the time. Like no matter which way you slice it, no matter how safe you think you are, stress is going to happen in your life at some point. So my advice is to find coping tools that work for you. And when you look back on your life and you look at your stressful events and you think, okay, but when I was stressed, what was making me feel better at that time? How was I dealing with this? What healthy habits was I pursuing to help myself feel better during that time? And look at these things and then remember them, write them down, whatever you need to do, And whenever you are faced with another stressful situation, you can come back to your healthy coping skills and have these habits that you've already learned how to do and you already know help you a lot. This is what I've had to do many times. I know what works for me and I know what doesn't. And that is really important with bipolar disorder. Once again, I keep mentioning self-awareness is a big key. You have to look at yourself with an honest perspective and see what is really going on because that's the only way you'll be able to help yourself move forward. So now I wanted to get into the differences between bipolar 1 and bipolar 2. Just so we can be clear, I know I spoke about this in my first episode, but I thought it would be good to refresh. So bipolar one is at least one is when you have at least one manic manic episode and possibly one episode of depression. Bipolar two is when you'd have at least one episode of hypomania and major depressive episode. One major depressive episode. So getting into hypomania a little bit, hypomania is when you need less and less sleep and feel mildly irritable but pleasant at some times. Mania is when you're experiencing euphoria, anger, impulsive behavior, a lot of activity. Some people experience delusions, hallucinations, and psychosis. So once again, I am coming back to sleep. Sleep is everything. It is so important in whatever you are going to do. This doesn't matter if you don't have a mental illness at all. Sleep matters. I think we live in a society right now where most the most of the people my age are up until 3 a.m. on their phone on TikTok and then they wake up at like 4 p.m. and that's their whole day. I just don't think that's a good healthy cycle to be on if you're trying to better your mental health. There are so many things that contribute to poor mental health and poor behavior, and sleep is one of the biggest things. So basically all of my manic episodes have been triggered by not getting enough sleep. I remember one time I I drank two cups of coffee one day, just two cups of coffee. That was it. 
and I came home and I was very anxious. It was Christmas time and I ended up not sleeping for two weeks. And then I had a ginormous manic episode. I was experiencing psychosis and it took me about a week to get out of that state. So that was horrible, just from drinking two cups of coffee. So you have to be aware of what you're intaking and how it's affecting you as well. Because for me, when I drink, I I only allow myself one cup of coffee per day now, and I don't drink it after noon, because then I know it'll keep me up. I also try to avoid alcohol because it gives me anxiety and it does mess with my sleep schedule. So it's hard, but even whenever I want to go, I want to go have a good time or get a drink at a bar, I have to think, oh, is this really a good idea? Because this is going to mess with my sleep later. And so that's just a choice you have to make. Um, When I was doing recreational drugs, (laughs) I realized that they weren't helping me get a good night's sleep. And so I had to choose, am I going to continue this or am I going to make a better choice? It's all of these things that you have to think about when you have bipolar disorder. And it can it can be really discouraging because all you want to do is live a normal life. You just want to be able to go to bed whenever, wake up whenever, not be affected by anything. But unfortunately, that's just not the case. It's really, it really does suck, especially when you are a young person and you want to go party, you want to go clubbing, you want, and I know we can't club right now, but when we could, you want to go out, you want to be with friends, you want to get drunk, you want to get high, whatever. It can be really discouraging whenever you have to have a bedtime, whenever you have to be on a schedule, whenever you can't just be up till 3 a.m., but I promise you, it will help you feel so much better. And if your friends are really your friends, they're going to understand that and they're going to stay by you even though you're not out partying with them every night. So that's what I want to say about sleep. Sleep is so important. I will say that again and again. It is vital for your mental health journey. And if you don't believe me, just do a little exercise with yourself. See what time you normally go to bed, whatever time it is, and wake up the next day See how you feel. Did you go to bed a little later? Did you go to bed a little earlier? Did you? How many hours of sleep did you get? And try to figure out the best amount of hours for you to get and what a good schedule looks like for you because that will really help you know your limits and know when to go to bed, when to wake up, know when to draw the line. And this can just be really helpful because if you're solid with your plan, if you're solid with your schedule, it's a lot easier to say no to drugs and alcohol and all these things that can make us trigger our biological factors and not help with our mania. So that's what I have to say about that. Um, I just wanted to briefly get into medications on this episode. So I think I'm going to save a, a one whole episode for medication for my medication journey, but I just wanted to briefly talk about them because this is a way that some people are treated with bipolar disorder through medication. So a few medications they use for people with bipolar disorder are mood stabilizers, antipsychotics, anticonvulsants, anti-anxiety meds, and antidepressants. Now, even if you don't have bipolar disorder, you're probably familiar with some of these. And I'm just going to list the medications that I've been on in my whole journey and one of them is for was for ADHD so if it sounds weird to you that's why 
but I was on Abilify, Ativan, Celexa, Depakote, Avicio, Gabapentin, Clonopin, Lamictal, Lithium Carbonate, Olanzapine, Seroquel, Temazepam, Trazodone, Treleptal, Welbutrin, Vralar, Zeprazidone. And I don't even think that's all of the medications I've been on. But I just want to briefly speak for the last few minutes about the medication journey and how hard it is to take your meds. Ugh, I had such a hard time learning that lesson that I just have to take my meds. Now, I remember whenever I was first diagnosed, I was put on an antidepressant. I was put on Celexa. And Celexa is the type of antidepressant that boosts your... um, It's an SSRI, so it boosts... What is the word? It boosts your serotonin levels. So... It it really didn't it didn't it worked for me but it almost worked too good because I was becoming manic and they didn't know that I had bipolar at that time so it was not a good medication but I remember the, just the horrible feeling of having to take my meds every night it was something that I hated because up to that point in my life I had never had to take pills to live a normal life and I felt so ashamed I was so angry and I felt like this was not fair these are a lot of the same emotions people go through when they're forced to take med well not forced when they're encouraged to take medication by their healthcare provider. It can be really a journey not only with the medications but within yourself to find the strength and to come come to terms with the fact that you do need to take your meds. This is something that I it took me about 5 years to learn this lesson. <laughs> And some people it takes longer, some people get it right away, but it took me about five years to realize this. And I just wish I could impart the wisdom that I learned, but sometimes things are learned best through experience and you really have to go through something to find out the reason for yourself. For me, I just realized that I can't function normally without medication. Unfortunately, my brain just doesn't work the right way. And this has nothing to do with me as a person. This doesn't mean that I'm a bad person because my brain doesn't work the right way. This doesn't make me wrong or the worst or evil in some way. This just means I need extra help. And when I take my meds, I get that help. And then I can function normally and I can feel good. Because I think it's kind of stressful when you you realize oh no I'm gonna take these meds and they're gonna make me feel awful and I'm gonna I don't know and that does happen sometimes sometimes on your journey you'll find that a medication will just make you feel horrible it'll make you gain weight it'll make you have acne it'll make you feel awful like a zombie like you don't want to get up, up off the couch and those medications are not the right ones for you So if you're on your medication journey, I encourage you to be open with your healthcare provider, with your psychiatrist, talk to them about how you feel, about how this medication works, about all the little things that it changes in your life until you find the right one. It took me five years and right now I'm on a really good combination of a mood stabilizer, an antipsychotic, antidepressant, and sometimes I take an anti-anxiety pill. And this has worked for me so well. Um, 
So I encourage you to be honest with your healthcare provider. For a long time, I was, a- I was not able to be fully honest about how the medication was making me feel. I just wanted a pill that would work. I didn't want to put in the work to get it. But it is work, and you do have to work hard to get what you want and to get the right result. And you can't put all of that on your psychiatrist because it takes two to tango and it takes a team to realize what is best for you. And only you know what's the best for you. So it's really important, once again, to be honest, to have clear communication and to know what you want so your psychiatrist can help you get that. Because your psychiatrist is there to facilitate this relationship with the drugs. And they're there to help you find the right one. They want to help you feel better. That's their whole job. They're not against you. They, they want to work with you to find the best solution for you. And if your psychiatrist doesn't act like that, if your psychiatrist isn't willing to work with you, then you should get a new psychiatrist because you deserve someone who will help you and who will help you find the right solution for you, not just give you a pill because they think it's the right one. That was another thing that I had to go through with medication where my doctors would not listen to a thing I say. They would just prescribe me with something horrible and then that was it. And I had no say in the matter. They did, my opinion didn't matter at all. And that was really difficult because the, those medications made me gain a lot of weight and feel horrible about myself. So if, I, if they had been more collaborative with me and realized that it's a group effort and they needed my opinion, I would have avoided a lot of weight gain and a lot of sadness in my life. So I just want to encourage you, if you are going through your medication journey right now, just remember it is a journey. And I'm going to say this, I know it's cheesy, but just trust the process. Trust that everything's going to work out in the right way for you. Because honestly, it did for me. And that's why I want to encourage you today. Because sometimes, (laughs) sometimes you got to take a lot of pills before you find your prince. And I mean that in the truest way, you have to take a lot of pills before you find the ones that work for you. And that is okay. Just go with the flow and keep track of your emotions, keep track of how you're feeling, keep journaling and writing down what is affecting you and how you feel and how this medication works for you. Because that will really help when you're talking to your psychiatrist and you're trying to get on the same page and get on the right medication. So in the next episode, I will be talking about different medications. Actually, I don't know if I'm going to do that in the next episode. In a future episode, I will be talking about different types of medications, lists of medications that I've been on, what they do, how they work, and how to find the right one for you. So if you guys enjoyed today's episode, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Please, I guess you can't like, please subscribe for more and give me a good rating. Also, if you are listening on the Anchor app, you can send me a voice message and maybe I'll feature it in my next episode. So I will see you guys later.